0: You're listening to VO Stories, episode 82. Today, I'm talking with LA based, uber talented voiceover performer, Tim Friedlander. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Tina Zaremba, voiceover talent, mentor, and good old fashioned storyteller. I believe we all have a story to tell. We can all learn from one another. I created this podcast for you, the VO artist who's ready to embrace all that your VO journey has to offer. You'll be inspired, informed, and transformed as you learn from industry experts, VO talents, and my insights from 15 years in the industry, having voiced national commercials to promos and everything in between. Success in voiceovers is more than just a snazzy voice, and this podcast will help show you the way. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. Happy Thursday. As I mentioned at the top, today's guest is the uber-talented Tim Friedlander who voices everything from a ton of political spots to narrating the motorsports show Toymakers on the History Channel to just about everything in between. Now, what I love about this interview is how candid Tim is about failing at voiceovers. And I put that word failing in air quotes because he grew from every experience. He talks about how his career wasn't an overnight success story but a journey, a long journey, and how his mindset and finding a voiceover community really propelled his career. Here's our chat. All right, well, let's dive in. Tim Friedlander, not Friedlander. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me. Of course. Very important question here. Where are you today and how in the world did you land in voiceovers as a career choice?
1: That is a great question. Well, I am currently in my booth in Los Angeles, and I can actually see the Hollywood sign from my booth, which is kind of cool. oh wow out the window. It's a, you know it's very small and off in the corner, but it's out there. Yeah, you know, I've just been here working all day. I'm, I'm actually in the studio all the time, I'm either recording my own voiceover or we're um, open, open to the public. So we have a ton of people come through um, into the studio, and we have five locations, but mainly I'm, I'm in the one in Hollywood. I'm just here all the time.
0: So did you start on the other side of the mic and then find yourself in voiceovers? Or take me through this journey.
1: Yeah, I um, I, I grew up in, I'm, I'm a musician. I grew up, actually I grew up playing clarinet originally, which is my main instrument. And my dad's in theater. So I grew up kind of on the stage and, and around that performance and it was kind of one of those things where, you know, back in, back when having a good voice was a good enough reason to get into voiceover, people were like, well, you have a great voice. You should, uh, should think about being in radio. Think about doing this. And then radio wasn't something that I wanted to do. I did, I had like a radio show for six or eight months in college on the college radio station, but it wasn't, you know, it was, it was okay. I, I didn't, wasn't, I wasn't somebody who wanted to be a radio person. So that wasn't what drew me, okay. didn't get drawn into that. I never really pursued it until kind of the late nineties or so. And I went and did a couple classes. Um, I'm from Seattle. So I was living, living up North and went and worked with somebody for a couple of years and put, you know, put together a demo, took courses, did everything wrong, which is kind of what I, you know, what I, <laughs> what I always say is that, you know, I did a demo when I wasn't ready. I tried to go out and get an agent when I wasn't ready. I didn't keep practicing. I didn't study. I didn't do all the stuff you needed to do to keep, you know, keep up the art of it. Yeah. Came to Seattle and came to LA in 2002. Kind of tried, you know, with the intention of, well, I'll be a musician and I'll just let voiceover pay for my music career, mm-hmm. which you know, we all know is a totally logical. Uh,
0: way <laughs> of course life. it's going to you know, happen. Not
1: nah. Exactly. And, you know, so I played music for a while, um, ended up teaching, taught for about 10 years, and then went into, started grad school in about 2014, at about the same time. I met some people in LA who were kind of doing the same thing I was doing in voiceover, which was basically just failing at it and not, not, not failing because we didn't, because we weren't good, just failing because we didn't know what to do. We didn't know. Right. You can pull out a voiceover resource guide and you've got 10 pages of coaches. Well, who do you start with? If you don't know any of them, you can't mm-hmm. afford to go through all of those coaches. You can't afford to go through all of the the seminars. You can't go, you know, so I just got a bunch of people together. I had a space, a studio, at my house that I've been doing music in and I just invited people over and that was in 2014 and we kind of just figured out how to navigate kind of the current market to the current world of voiceover which is much different from what it was when I first started exploring 96.
0: Interesting because I started in 2001 and 2001 to today is way different so how do you see the difference from would you say 96?
1: Yeah 96 I mean you know even in, in 96 it was I did my demo in, I think, 99 or so, 99, 2000, and it was great. Well, now you have your demo and uh, good luck. And, mm-hmm. and if you don't have an agent, you can't get access to anything. So, you know, just, uh, I don't know, good luck. Maybe something will happen. So there, you know, there wasn't, there was definitely a lack of ability to, to have any control over any kind of career because you were, you know, if you didn't have an agent, you had no access to anything, especially in Seattle you know, if you're up in Seattle, I mean, there's no, there was no, you know, internet was barely, you know, usable in business form, I guess, you know, for voiceover. And so, you know, what do you do in Seattle? Maybe there, maybe there's one ad agency that somebody will refer you to, but there's nothing. And then, you know, hit like, you know, 2001, 2002 with the online casting sites that go in with the proliferation of non-union work with access to work with, out having to go through the traditional gatekeepers who you know who had that, the growth of non-traditional avenues of voiceover where you start getting into you know the industrial, the e-learning things along those lines that you know has been growing with the internet. Everybody has to replace their training modules, their training videos that were you know on VHS and then went to DVD and now it's all going to be digitized on do it again and put it online.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: All of that stuff grew and now you know the ability to to, to basically have, I think, more control over the course of your career and your brand and the type of career that you want to have. It's, I think, is the biggest change.
0: Yeah, it's pretty empowering, or it can be pretty empowering if you look at it that way, but also, I guess, intimidating as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's for people who, you know, who have that drive and have the, the desire to want to be something besides just the artist and a lot of people don't want to be a lot of people are actors and they want to act and they want to get on. you know, they want to be on the mic. They want to go and do their job and be an actor and put hundred percent into that and leave. And that is great. Totally fine. It's, it takes a little different um, skill to navigate in that world that way than it does. If you're able to, I mean, not even able to, if you're just just willing to and and, uh, want to, run your own studio and be able to engineer your own sessions and be able to market yourself. You know, it's, it's, it's different. It's neither, you know, neither good nor bad. And if you have the desire to do it, then do it. You know, for myself, I like having the ability to kind of guide my career and to send out my audio sounding the way that I want to sound and make myself, you know, sound the way that I want to sound. And, engineer my own sessions and be relaxed. For me, that's relaxing because I'm just me and whoever's on the other end or just me by myself doing, doing the work and sending it in.
0: What do you think was the biggest impetus to propel your career forward in 20, you know, when you came at it again in 2014? Was it the marketing? Was it the the mindset? Was it a combination?
1: It was. De- it was definitely the mindset. I think it was... Also for my, you know, for myself at that point was just a need to change the course of my life and what I was doing
0: Mm -hmm.
1: to give it one more shot and to realize that, that I wasn't the only one doing this, that I wasn't, I wasn't alone. And that I wasn't the only one who was, you know, I keep saying failing and it's not failing from lack of trying. It's just kind of failing from, from lack of information or lack of community or lack of any kind of connection with anybody else doing what you're doing and you just kind of, there's no guidance, there's no mentors, there's nothing to really help you in any way, at least the way that I was doing it, which was very isolated. And once I found that I wasn't the only one doing it, it became different. And it, it allowed me, I think the community aspect of it really has really drawn me to this, to have a place that's not only for myself, but for the whole community come and learn and study and get behind a mic and do all the things you know that that you want to learn and try before you go into a session.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you in that having uh, the community for me has because it can be so isolating when you're by yourself and you're you know yeah. just kind of throwing darts at a wall, exactly. hoping yeah. that something yeah. hits.
1: Hoping you're even like you don't even know if you're aiming for the right wall,
0: right? Like, like
1: it's and, and it's you know it's perspective and it's it's seeing where you know where. Where you are in relation to the industry, and I think there is there has been a a growth in misinformation about how easy it is to do voiceover. Yeah, and and, you know, so you get people who you know a a great example is we had somebody come to one of the workout groups. It was the first time they they'd been to the workout group, and so I just had him you know hey you know tell us a little bit about what you're doing, and she was like you know I've been doing this for so long, and I'm just not booking anything, and you know I'm doing so many auditions. And I'm just, you know, I'm really burned out and I'm just frustrated. And I said, well, great. So, you know, how long have you been doing this? It's like, well, a little less than a year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. So how many auditions have you done? You know, 50 or 60. Um, So let's put this in perspective. You know, like I think the year before I started booking, I think I did a thousand auditions and had done it, you know, done this for, you know, for 19 or 20 years before anything really happened so you've been doing it for a year with 50 auditions you're you're just getting started in fact you're doing great and all of a sudden she's like oh well I don't I don't feel so bad anymore that makes okay well that puts that in perspective you totally, know? Totally. Um, so it's you know when, when you look online and you see you know the opportunities of let's take a course take a seminar for you know 1495 and you know in, in a year you'll be making six figures it'll be amazing
0: right right.
1: And you get a lot, you get a lot of jaded people who are burned out because it's not happening.
0: And I think that comes from at least my perspective here in New York. Also people who have been, you know, sent out by their agents and are not adapting to the changing times, which is basically you have to take ownership of your career right now
1: or it's not going to happen. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's a big, there's, there's a generational gap and like, and, and I've I think we talk. I talk about this a lot. In that, it's not an age gap; it's a technology generational gap. And anybody who has been entered the entered the industry where it was all entirely internet based and home studio based has a much easier time navigating it from somebody who's trying to make that transition from agent only to kind of the current internet. Or self-marketing, you know, things along those lines. It's a tough, it's a tough gap to get across sometimes for some people. And some people are are doing phenomenally well at making the change and the adaptation, and some people are, are struggling with it.
0: And I also think that it's generational. But you know, I think of my dad, who's almost eighty, and he is like technology whiz and is always an early adopter. Versus I, I mean. I'm dating myself here in New York. I remember when they went to the Metro cards versus the coins. And I was like, no, I want the coins. I don't yeah. want the Metro card. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so I'm a little bit of a lagger at times. Yeah. I want to ask, you do a lot of political work. Is there a, a time in the year where that really picks up for you? And also with that, did you decide what side of the aisle you were going to voice on? Or did the did it decide for you? And no judgments,
1: you know? You know, it's it varies surprisingly the last couple of election or the last election year last year was extremely slow for me and it's picked up the year before and now this year has picked up considerably so it's you know there's not really any particular time obviously when we get closer to elections election time and there's more you know rush of last minute and you know things that are happening things pick up but i don't know that any time any particular time of the year
0: did you seek that work out or did it find you
1: combination of the two I kind of started asking around about it and I put together a demo and got a couple referrals to some production companies and that's kind of how that how how I got into it was kind of you know connecting with some production companies you know I I connected with with companies that aligned with with the side that I wanted to side of the aisle that I deal with Mm -hmm. and one voice so that you know that was fine you know and, and I've always done I've done things on the side of the aisle that I, that I uh, believe in. And that's been able to let me do that. But, you know, some people, I know a lot of people who, you know, who just do they don't take sides and they just, they do, they do the spots and they want to do it. You know, I prefer to stay with the, with the side that I'm on and voice for that. Um, but we, you know, with that said, it's more about it. Uh, it's more about what that particular candidate issue is versus what side of the aisle they're on. Um, I think we're definitely, there's a lot of middle ground and a lot of extremes as well.
0: Um, Absolutely. And you know what, too, to people out there that are considering voicing for the other side of the aisle or may have an opportunity, I've had friends that have voiced for spots that were not necessarily in alignment with the way that they would vote, and they've taken a portion of that money or all of that money from that <laughs> session and donate it to a cause that they believe in on the it, side yeah. that they believe in. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we I, that, that that exact same conversation's come up quite a few times of like you know, well, I would take that money and just donate it to the other candidate. The opposite. <laughs> this kind of comes a lot of the other stuff in voiceover, you know. It's like there, you know, there's no judgment. You have to do this is your business, and do you have to do what's right for you? And if if people choose to make these choices and do do them that way, then that's there's no judgment on my part. That's what they have to do for themselves.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah. Fun.
1: And I do mind the way I do it, and. You know, and hopefully people don't judge for that. Um, I mean, but I'm sure people, people judge for everything.
0: So. No. We <laughs> humans, we're funny creatures. So are there particular demo producers you recommend for producing political spots if someone wants to break into that space?
1: That's a tough call. I mean, you know, the, the political space is really hard to hard to get into because there's there are such there are so few production companies that handle these. Or a lot of times it becomes just the candidates themselves take it, handling it and they're not even looking for voiceover. You know, but as far as like political specific demos, you know, I, th- I think it's like it's there's nobody I know specifically that's doing political as an area of expertise. But I think with any demo, the, the, the best demo producer is the one that's right for you. And you got to find somebody you connect with and can make the demo that you want to have made. And that, and that varies, you know, it's going to be, some people are going to work great with different demo producers and they will with others. Um, Does
0: Soundbox do demos there?
1: We do. We, we kind of have a, we have a branch called West Coast Demos. Mm -hmm. uh, And we've, we do very, um, very select demos just because it's a lot of time. And both of it, you know, kind of one of the things about the studios here is that we're all working talent as well as running the studios. So then throwing in demo production on top of that, it's a lot of time to add to it. And we want to give everybody we're working with a hundred percent of our attention for their demo. So we, you know, we're, we tend to be do them a little bit here and there.
0: And how many would you do a year? And if folks want to learn about this, where's the best place for them to go?
1: Um, West coast And okay. I think last year we did about 10 or 12 last year. And this year, you know, we've done about six so far this year. Um, we've got a- Got a few more in the pipeline that we're working on um, that were people are coming in starting now. Now that I'm I'm back from tour and um my partner Carson, who runs the other one of the other locations, uh is back in town. We were both kind of in and out for the summer.
0: So what happened first? Did you guys develop soundbox and then your voiceover career took off, or did your voiceover career take off and then you did soundbox? You
1: no, know, it's it's been it's it's completely intertwined. the, the studio, I had the space. I did a lot of session music here so I would record and do you know do work here we'd basically have a lot of bands in and do that and I got burned out on that it's just you know it's so hard to make anything like that viable especially in in Los Angeles where there's a million other studios people can go to um and it kind of became more of I want the space for myself so I can do my art here and I can do my music. And so it kind of turned into that. And as I invited more voiceover people in, as, as people grew and started booking jobs, they, you know, they, they would come back here and ask if they could do a session here because they were comfortable here. Mm. Grew out of, you know, it's, it's completely grown out of the community in in LA and the people who, who have been here for the studio. Um, And at the same time, my career, my voiceover career was growing and it's all really kind of happened simultaneously. And the studio is basically built on you know the backs of what people have needed and what requests they've asked for. You know, in LA, I didn't, you know, I got ISD and somebody asked for ISD and I didn't have it the next week. They came back and I did have it. I mean, you, did yeah. source connect, you get source connect, somebody needs this microphone, you know, you, you build out things as needed, which is different from building a studio and helping people will show up.
0: Yeah. So when you watch other sessions or people talent recording demos the talent that are, and I put air quotes, air quotes around winning, but winning at voiceovers. Is there anything in particular you see, any type of pattern or clues? Because success does leave clues that you see as you're observing these people.
1: Yeah. What's uh, that? Authenticity is, is one of the things that comes, you know, I think that's really authenticity and confidence. And those are two hard things to, de- to develop naturally with yeah. some script. And it varies. There's you know some people who have been doing this for a long time who start booking, and some people who book on their first audition. It's just something about you know who they are naturally that, that they let shine through that that works and is what people are looking for at that particular moment. I think that we're I think we're 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 in a time when people are more open to unique perspectives and unique sounds, and mm-hmm. there's less less need to try and fit into a box of what voiceover should sound like. Yeah, um, which definitely was you know when I started it was well if you have a big voice and you sound like this then you can do voiceover, and and that was it and now it's you know it's, let's find something that's unique let's find somebody that it has, has a unique perspective let's find somebody who has a unique sound maybe they don't they don't speak with the cadence that we're used to hearing or they you know they bring something to the table that's that's different and unique but is believable and real and I think that's you know if anything you know real and authentic are you know, what, what's booking right now.
0: Totally. And it's so the part of me that gets beca- um, so anal and in my head can get so frustrated with that answer. Cause it's like, no, 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 I want a formula and authentic right. and real. It's like, what, 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 what is that? How do you do that? Well, you just do it. You don't think about
1: it. <laughs> exactly. And, and like, you know, I mean, one of the things, one of the things that I, if it's like workout groups, a lot of times I'll say is like, just quit trying so hard,
0: mm-hmm. quit trying
1: so hard. Just, just talk, you know, unless somebody has a voice that you just can't listen to, then everybody, you know, if you talk with conviction and, and believe in what you're saying, people are going to listen to you and you don't have to have a voice that is a traditional voiceover voice for people to listen to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, If you're, if you're p- p- people, can, you know, I think we're as consumers, people are less forgiving of being sold to and that they just want people to share.
0: Yeah. There's a big, I feel like we've, everyone's got this huge BS meter now where we can tell if someone is lying to us and we just kind of cringe at, you know, that used car salesman type.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So looking at all the voiceover lanes that you work in political, long form narration, commercial on and on, do you have an area that you're more drawn to that you like to play in the most?
1: Um, You know, I, I, I I really enjoy kind of the long form narration, kind of the the series. I have a, a series on History Channel that's been running. Uh, yes. fourth, fourth season next year, and that you know I just I I really enjoy being a part of that because it becomes part of the show. You become you know I'm I'm invested in the show. I'm invested in the story. I'm invested in the people who are who are a part of that. And it's and it's just it's fun to be to be a part of that versus just doing a one off commercial that you know somebody's going to hear somewhere and, and it, you know they yeah they listen to you and it sounds nice but nobody remembers who you are and I guess to a certain side of that is that you know as, as much as people as much as I like to not be seen I also like to be known and appreciated for the work that I've done and mm-hmm. I think I think everybody does to a certain certain degree or another some people you know just want to do the job and not be seen and not have anybody know who they are yeah you know, but the work that i do and i think people work the work that people do that they're proud of you know they want, they want to share that and they want to get you know some acknowledgement of the work that they've done
0: this show that you're narrating how what was the audition process like for that do you remember it was it through your <laughs> agent or <laughs>
1: yeah it yeah, um, it was it was at a workout group and i met a director and they were like hey you have a great voice i have this show that i'm working on i think you'd be great for and i said okay Wait, Um, it was
0: a workout group, like a voiceover workout group?
1: Yeah. yep. It was the first, I think i have been, I had just gotten back into voiceover like three months before that. And it was one of those things that you're like, hey, I have this great thing and I want to put you on it and I'll call you when it happens. And you're like, yeah, right. Oh yeah. Right. Whatever. A year later, I get an email or a phone call and I said, Hey, so that. A thing we were talking about that I wanted you for is going ahead and I got you on the show and we're going to start recording in next month are you available and I was like oh sure let's do let's do it um so there wasn't really an audition process in that you know but it's it's a show about custom cars and motorcycles which is what I do so I just get to talk about stuff that I enjoy doing, which (laughs) makes it easy, you know?
0: I Uh, love it.
1: That has gone, went from one season to two seasons, to three seasons. And now uh, last year we moved to the History Channel and we're going to go into season four uh, at the beginning of 2020. Oh man,
0: congratulations. That's so awesome. And I love that story, how you got that job too.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's the right place at the right time and being ready when the opportunity arose which I think is one of the things when I say, you know, that I had done this so long by failing or had failed at it for so long is that I was so out of practice that if an opportunity came around, I wouldn't have been prepared. If, you know, this had happened a couple of years earlier, I wouldn't have been prepared to do, to do that read, to be in that workout group, but this consistently doing it, even if you're not booking, you're not auditioning as much, get into the workout groups regularly or get into something that you're doing regularly. So when those opportunities come, you're ready to take them and you're prepared.
0: Love it. So your workout groups, are they solely in person or do you do any that are online for people?
1: We have, most of the ones are local, do three days a week here in Los Angeles. And then um, myself and two of my uh, other VO colleagues in LA started the online workout, voweeklyworkout.com.
0: Voweeklyworkout.com? Yep. And uh, how much is that for folks to join if they want to participate?
1: Um, we, we just It's, it's on a, a per, per workout basis. It's $10. For the workout. And if anybody, if you ever did the voice bank workouts that the voice voice registry and voice bank had, it's very similar, similar to that, um, where you you do a read and you submit and you get feedback from an agent or a coach or a casting director. And we've been doing that, you know, we started with a couple people. We actually launched launched the day that the Voice Bank was announced that they were sold to voices.com. <laughs> put it together that day. We saw that it was an area that we could provide something in. And we've got about, you know, we've got about 1,200, 1,300 people in that group now. And, you know, we try and do it twice a month. It's really hard to do every week. Directors are busy, coaches are busy, we're busy. But it's been a great resource for people who are not in New York and not in Los Angeles to get a chance to read and get feedback from great coaches and great directors.
0: That is awesome. I love it. So it's via All right. I'm sure folks will go check that out. I'm going to. Tim, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to chat with me. Oh,
1: thank you for having me. This was great.
0: Thank you, Tim Friedlander. Guys, if you take away one thing from that interview, actually two things, that this voiceover journey, we're all on here, it's a journey. I know sometimes we want a formula, a set path. However, I believe when we trust that our voice is enough and keep moving forward, something's going to emerge. For Tim, he created a voiceover community and grew from that. That's beautiful. I also love that he acknowledged his mindset and the shift he made with that. All righty. Until next week, here's to owning our voices.